Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you please say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship this morning is from Hildegard of Bingen. Fire of the Spirit, life of the lives of creatures, spiral of sanctity, bond of all natures, glow of charity, lights of clarity, taste of sweetness to the fallen, be with us and hear us. Composer of all things, joy in the glory, strong honor, be with us and hear us. People ask sometimes, what holds you all together as a church? You have people with their roots in so many different places calling themselves Unitarian Universalists. You have people who believe Christian things, people who believe Jewish things, Buddhist things, Hindu things, nothing. Um, Pagans, humanists, agnostics, all kinds of people all together. How do you, how do you get going on anything? They will. Our mission is what holds us together, and we say it every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. This morning's meditation reading is a responsive reading. You'll find it at number 557 in the back of your hymnal. A common destiny. All living substance, all substance of energy, being, and purpose are united and share the same destiny. All people, those we love and those we know not of, are united and share the same destiny. Birth to death, we share this unity with the sun, earth, our brothers and sisters, strangers, flowers of the field, snowflakes, volcanoes, and moonbeams. Birth, life, death, unknown, known, unknown. Our destiny, from unknown to unknown. May we have the faith to accept this mystery and build upon its everlasting truth. Let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist meta-meditation you'll find in your bulletin. We say it through three times. I say a line and you say it after me, should you choose to. The first time through, this is a prayer for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. 
May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time we say this for somebody we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. The third time through is a spiritual stretch. We say this for somebody against whom we have a resentment. This does not change them. It changes us. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. Changing ourselves is what we're here for. Getting our souls nourished and our lives transformed. Also nourishing other people, transforming other people's lives. We get that done, do some justice, and we're doing our mission. One of the ways of transforming a life and nourishing a soul is by asking a good question. Spiritual teachers throughout history have taught by asking questions. The reason for that is um, that nobody really learns unless they're getting the answer to a question they've already asked. If somebody starts telling you the answer to a question you haven't really asked before, it's kind of dull and your eyes glaze over. And what you hear is wop, 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 wop. We have all had this experience talking to other people, trying to teach them something when they haven't gotten the curiosity about what we're teaching yet. It's good when learning is a question-driven process. Sermon writing is a question-driven process. You have the, um, what would I like to talk about? What do I think my people would be interested in? What am I interested in? What would I like to say about that? Um, If I were sitting in the pew, what would I want to hear about this? What can I say that would be useful to the people? What can I say that wouldn't bore them to slobber? What can I say? You ask one question after the other, and pretty soon you've got your sermon written. Um, Therapy, which I did for 20 years as a therapist. (laughs) Um, I've done it as a non-therapist, too. It's a question-driven process. You go in, you ask, you know, how can I make my life better? Or you ask, what should I do now? Or what's important among all these things that are coming at my head? What's important? Or you sit down and you say, why is it that, that when I go to see a movie with monkeys in it, I just get the creeps? So what I'm going to show you today, I'm I'm giving you a present today, and inside the box is a lot of uh, our uh, other little boxes, brightly colored and wrapped, and we're going to unwrap some of the best questions I know. That's what I'm going to tell you this morning. Um, So I had a a religion professor at Duke who was um, in love with questions. 
And he helped me be in love with questions, but not at first. I was part of the campus Christian organization, and we were in love with answers. And we were, you know, trying to be interesting, brave, and courageous, and uh, intelligent, and shiny enough so that he would uh, stop being a heathen and be converted to Christianity instead of being a Methodist. So, you know, he loved questions and he kept talking about, you know, fall in love with the questions and they're more important than the answers. And we were like, yeah, yeah, but what about this answer? What about this one? Uh, midterms came and we got the little blue book and the question was, what is the meaning of life? So we wrote, I wrote for two hours. What is the meaning of life? I gave him all my theories and my my sense of things and the scripture references and uh, history and my whole idea of the meaning of life. Um, and I, I was used to getting A's. <laughs> and I got a C. C on this midterm. So I was mad and frustrated and hurt and angry. And I decided I'll fix him. And the whole second half of the semester, I didn't say anything in class that wasn't a question. And then came the final exam, little blue book, what is the meaning of death? I wrote for two hours, nothing but questions. <laughs> Got an A. <laughs> but I also learned that asking questions was kind of fun and easy, and one did lead to another. And you could have a pretty good discussion made mostly of questions. And so... I began to learn that having the right question made you be almost halfway to the good answer. I used to do a lot of consulting with um, attorney's practices and physician's practices as a kind of a practice therapist. And um, I found out that most of them were asking the wrong questions, which is why they were kind of stuck and I did a lot of couples counseling, and I found out a lot of couples were asking the wrong questions, which is why they were kind of stuck. And the questions the couples would come in with um, were things like, how am I being controlled? I know I am being controlled, but can you give me some language for it? Because she's controlling me. Or, what is wrong with him? What can I do to change her? <laughs> what are my rights here? What are my rights here is often a good question, but almost never a good relationship question. <laughs> so some wonderful questions both for couples and for practices and for any kind of stuck situation you find yourself in. One good question is, what 
part of the mess is mine. What have I done? What am I doing? Uh, What part of my anger is anger at myself? Very unpleasant question to try to answer. Uh, How can I understand you better? How can we feel safer with one another? How can I help you feel heard and understood? What part of my not feeling heard and understood is something I carry with me all the time and has nothing to do with you? Another good question that your client has to trust you pretty much for you to ask, but I'm just going to ask it of you all because it's not really directed at you. So you can say, oh, gosh, I wish my sister were here to hear this. (laughs) What might your problem be doing for you? Is there an upside to this? What scary changes would happen if this problem were to go away? Another good question that I like is, what do you expect of your children? Whenever we do a child dedication here, I'm going to ask the parents to make a job description for their children. And this comes from the disconnect I noticed in my therapy office, where I would say to adults, um, so... Because they would be going, well, you know, my parents were disappointed in me. and I say, what did they want? What did they want from you that now they're disappointed? Well, they, they wanted me to be perfect, basically. And then I started asking adult parents, what do you want from your kids? And they said, well, we just want them to be happy. <laughs> so I thought maybe if we could get some clarity about what the parents want for the kids and share that with the kids in some way at some point, then everybody would know what is what would make your parents feel like you were not a disappointment. And so I decided to write this for my kids. They were very little, and I thought, well, what do I want? What would I feel happy with them if they got in their lives? And so I thought, I want them to be kind and strong and brave, joyful and useful, loving honest. And then I realized I didn't have anything about the body in there, so I went healthy. (laughs) So every night after prayers, God bless mommy and God bless daddy and God bless daddy's wife and God bless her children. And, you know, every, we blessed everybody that was in the extended family. And then, um, we would say, make us kind and strong and brave, joyful, useful, loving, honest, and healthy. Amen. And so my kids knew every single night of the world what I was hoping for, for me and for them. And um, so some parents write a letter to their kids and some parents write a prayer that they can say at night. But I just want the parents to think about, ask themselves that question. What do I want? Because my kids are going to think I wanted them to be perfect. And I don't. But I do want a little more than for them just to be happy. When you're disagreeing with somebody, questions are a wonderful way to go. Rather than, I'm going to tell you my point of view, you tell me your point of view, and then I tell you mine again with more words, because I think that the reason you disagree with me is just because you didn't understand what I said. (laughs) 
So if you find yourself stuck in a disagreement, sometimes questions are the right way to go. And you say, well, tell me more about what you mean. How did you come to this point of view? What does it do for you? What is it help, how does it help you? What, um, what can you tell me about this that would increase my range of, of view about this so I, could, so I could quit wanting to ask the question, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's a bad question. Not, not a good one. Not a helpful one. And if you're feeling really attacked or misunderstood, a uh, question that works sometimes, and other times it's just annoying, but you never know which one, uh, which time it's going to be, you just can stop and say, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? What are we hoping for by doing this? What's the outcome we are hoping for? Um, I had a wonderful trainer when I was being trained as a chaplain at Walter Reed Army Hospital. That's part of your seminary um, education as a Presbyterian, which is what I used to be, and as a Unitarian Universalist, which is what um, Madi Sol, our director of religious education, has had to go through too, chaplain training. I'm telling you about her because um, in a few minutes we're going to have a congregational meeting where we're going to vote on whether to ordain her or not because she went through seminary. She did this chaplain training that you have to do. Anyway, I did this chaplain training. It was really hard. And um, you're on the wards in the morning, and then in the afternoon you're with a trainer who asks you terribly hard questions. And um, usually, you know, when he would say, why did you say this or why did you neglect to follow up on that? You would go, I don't know. And then he would go, yes, but if you did know, what would it be? (laughs) And surprisingly enough, sometimes something would come to mind. I had a Jungian trainer who was teaching me about dream interpretation, and she was wonderfully wise and warm and twinkly, you know, just the archetype of a great Jungian analyst. And um, we were trying to figure something out one day, and I said, oh, I just, I'm not good at figuring that kind of thing out. And she said, if I paid you $1,000 to figure it out, could you figure it out? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) she paid me $1,000, and she just went, So, is there a question you want somebody to ask you? What are you dying to have somebody ask you? I'm going to close with a a miracle question. All right, here's the miracle question. It's got some parts to it. Think of a problem that you have. Got it? It cannot be somebody else's problem, those of you who are codependent. Don't... (laughs) You can't have somebody else's problem in mind, your problem. If you woke up and your problem had disappeared, how would you know a miracle had happened? How would you behave differently? Be as precise as possible in your answer. How would your family and friends behave differently? How would they know a miracle had happened? How would they see the difference in your person or your behavior? Are there parts of the miracle already happening? What are they and how could you get them to happen some more? 
And the last question I want to leave you with is, how would you feel if you knew eventually that everything was going to be all right? I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.